You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You need to know what's happening. It's, 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 it's time to get in the huddle with Carl Duke, Brian Baldinger, and Jason LaConforta. Back for another edition of In the Huddle, and look who's here, our man Jason Lacanfora. Baldy is a part of this podcast as well, and we'll talk to Baldy later this week. He's making his rounds with NFL Network. Jason, it's good to have you, man. Um, it's been a crazy offseason. Now we're in camp, and there is a lot going on when it comes to the NFL and all these teams, and we got some stuff to chop up today. So I, I want to start first with last night was the first episode of HBO Hard Knocks. Whether you saw it or not, I don't want to spoil yes. it, okay? I'm not going to spoil it for anybody because you're going to see this podcast today and over the next few days, and then you won't see the next episode until next week. They come out every Tuesday. But um, the main thing last night, and I think we kind of knew this, was everybody's gassing up <laughs> Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. Linemen, receivers, DBs, everybody's talking about how good Aaron Rodgers has looked. And, you know, in camp, everybody's going, eight. Oh, man, eight is great. Jason, we kind of knew this, right? I mean, I get it. The love fest is why he's there. And this is also why I think he's very happy right now with the way that everybody has embraced him. Well, I, I think you need to look at this for what it is, right? The Jets have a really tough early schedule, in part because they're playing a lot of primetime games. The league is looking to make money off the Jets. NFL Films is an arm of the league. This is they want Buffalo ratings right out of the gate. I mean, we're every like look at Vegas and some of the numbers on the Jets. I, I think they're overinflated. I'm fading the hell out of the Jets. But yeah, there's this whole hype machine that's going on because a lot of people want to make money off the Jets. Woody Johnson, yeah, it's about winning football games. He wants to sell a bleep load of jerseys. He wants to sell a bleep load of jerseys. He wants to sell a bleep load of beers. Um, so yeah, this is whipping everybody into a frenzy about gang green turning the corner and this guy who won back-to-back MVPs a couple years ago, you know, being in Gotham and being the savior. Like I, I get it. I mean, there's narratives you can run wild with if you hadn't watched this guy play last year um, or you want to pretend it didn't happen, but <laughs> there's a lot of people in the business of, as you said, gassing this up, hyping this up, making the jets must see TV. Why would the jets be must see TV? Cause you're not going to be able to avoid them the first six weeks of the season. They're going to jam them down your throat. So you know, that there's that's all, you know, one hand washes the other. I'm fading them. I don't I mean you can get plus money on the Jets to miss the playoffs. I'm gonna repeat that. You can get plus wow. money on the Jets to do what they always do. Miss the playoffs plus one twenty five. Your ten dollars turns into twelve fifty if the Jets are simply the Jets. And I think the division's pretty tough. I know the conference is tough. Um and and Aaron Rodgers last year was not a good quarterback. And 
The part I love about the Jets, I, I bet you don't hear a whole lot about this on Hard Knocks. How Makai Becton still looks like a stiff. About how, how Dwayne Brown's a 36-year-old starting left tackle. This ain't David Bakhtiari in his prime when this cat was winning back-to-back MVPs and didn't have to worry about anything. You know, I, I defy people who are betting on the Jets and hyping up the Jets and, you know, crushing their popcorn and beer while they watch uh, Hard Knocks. Who Who's behind uh, Makai Becton on the depth chart? Max Mitchell. Point. I bet you don't point. know him at all. So that's what I'm looking at. The team's built, right, the best teams of football built from the inside out. This guy at this stage of his career needs to be incubated. You want to know who threw the the highest percentage of passes in the NFL last year behind or at the line of scrimmage? Aaron Rodgers. That's despite being the 38th most blitz quarterback in the league. 38th most blitz. You didn't have to bring numbers to get this cat to It's coming out fast. It's like late-stage Ben Roethlisberger. It's also like late-stage Ben Roethlisberger because there were no checks and balances. Big Ben had Randy Feechner there calling the place, except he wasn't calling the place. Big Ben was calling the place. And this is the same thing with Nathaniel Hackett. Can't spell Hackett without hack. So, again, ride the hype train. Enjoy the theater. Enjoy the television. Get yourself all land up for week one. When they're below 500 at the, uh, at, at the early buy, we'll see how Aaron Rodgers handles that. We'll see how up for the fight Aaron Rodgers is. We'll see how much he wants to push the ball downfield to Garrett Wilson behind this <laughs> offensive line. Let's see it. Bring it on. Bills, Cowboys, at Cowboys, versus Patriots, versus Chiefs, at Broncos, versus Eagles. That's how they start. So, you know, if you're telling me, all right, they'll be three and three through the first six, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm with you on this, and, and I get it. It's all about storylines, as we talk about HBO Hard Knocks last night in the first episode. And, again, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but somebody comes in on a chopper and lands, and everybody's like, who's on the chopper? It's drama, and it's all good for television. But when we get on the field, Jason, and we start talking about ball like you and I do, you're exactly right about this old line. And I don't know if they're going to address that in the – Five episodes we're going to see of Hard Knocks. This is going to be a love fest. Woody was on last night, the owner. He's dapping up, you know, Robert Sala. and oh, everybody's, yeah. hey, It's all good. It's all good. So I, I I don't know how this turns out. Was I entertained last night? Yes. And I'll be entertained for the next four or five episodes or whatever it's going to be. But when the season starts, that's when I need to see what's going to happen with this football team. I want bye week Hard Knocks when Aaron Rodgers pulls his mutiny he throws everybody under the bus because my guys, the old ass receivers I brought in, aren't playing enough. Like I, that's what I want. I want hard knocks, New York Jets, bye week mutiny. That's what I'm here for. Give me, Jason, give me behind the scenes on that. I, yeah. I don't need to. It's and we're not going to get it. Jason Lock on four guys, of course. Brian Baldinger, part of this podcast. I'm Carl Dukes. Put him up. We are in the huddle. We do this each and every week. New episodes Tuesday and Thursdays. And we're going to, as we said, amp things up as we continue to move along towards the start of the season. we got preseason games this week, so we're getting there, guys. But there are storylines that are going on around the NFL we have to address. All right, let's talk about the holdouts, or at least, excuse me, the uh, the oh, free really? agent running. No, yeah, oh. the free agent running backs that are making visits. And then you have a situation in Baltimore that I don't know if a lot of people are talking about. So let's let's start there because everybody thinks it's hunky dory and hey Lamar got his bag and look at all these great players OBJ's there. What's going on with the running back situation though? There, Jason. 
Well, it, it's it's a really interesting hold-in. Um, J.K. Dobbins, I think if you were to sit down and watch Todd Munkin, their new offensive coordinator, and compare Todd Munkin's philosophy, schemes, overarching beliefs, um, the way he calls a game, the way he prepares a team for a week of football, and juxtaposed it to what they've had the previous totality of Lamar's career, right, the previous five years under Greg Roman, and then put a list down of, like, who do you think could benefit most from this change in coordinator, right? Number one is obviously Lamar Jackson. They gave him $50 million. Now they want to throw the ball more. They want to spread people out, get back to more what he did at Louisville, you know, less load up the box with the fullback, Patrick Ricard playing 70% of the time, right? Heavy, heavy, heavy. They want to play more of a spread game. Okay. I'll, I'll concede Lamar number one. For me, the second most important guy, the guy who could benefit the most, the guy who could be the biggest difference maker is J.K. Dobbins because he was trapped in an offense previously that really limited him to outside zone stuff. You know, Gus Edwards, Mr. Inside. Dobbins is Mr. Outside. But Lamar wasn't throwing screen passes. Greg Roman didn't really have a screen game. They didn't believe in the horizontal passing game. Odd Munkin loves it. He's a genius in the screen game. And having been out to training camp quite a bit, running backs are catching a ton of balls. J.K. Dobbins not among them because J.K. Dobbins decided he's not going to practice. J.K. Dobbins is pissed off that he lost a year of his career a couple years back playing in a meaningless preseason game against the Washington. At that time, I believe they were still the WTFs. I yeah. think they were the football team. Uh, regardless, he suffered a season-ending knee injury, and he's never quite gotten over that. Um, so a lot of people are saying these hold-ins are about money, and ultimately they are. But for this one, Carl, I don't think it's about the money to be made here because the Ravens are going to chew him up and spit him out in the last year of his rookie deal. I don't think he's getting an extension here, and I think he knows that. I think it's more a hold-in to preserve his health because he doesn't want to get hurt in July or August again and then screw up his ability to get paid somewhere else. Probably not going to be here. But when he's healthy, he's a dynamic back. This guy averages over five and a half yards per carry. Um, but his scrimmage yards, if you look at his gross numbers, they're low because he's been hurt. He's missed a lot because they never threw the ball to him. I don't think he's ever had more than four targets in a game. I think he ran like an, an average of like two routes per game over his final 15 games in Greg Roman's offense. It just didn't happen. It wasn't a factor. I'm looking at guys like Justice Hill and Melvin Gordon getting ball thrown to him left and right at these practices. So I think J.K. Dobbins can be an absolute difference maker for them. But Dobbins has got to do this calculus of when do I when do I show back up? And doesn't look like he's going to practice this week. If he doesn't come back next week when they have joint practices with Washington and they start getting into the nitty-gritty of things a little more, then I think he really runs the risk of sort of falling behind and losing his place a little bit, as great of an athlete as he is. But if I'm playing fantasy football, if, if I'm watching the, the gambling markets at all for someone like J.K. Dobbins, I'm looking for buy-low propositions because – he will fit incredibly well in this offense. He's a guy who I, I could see, you know, some weeks getting six, seven targets, maybe more. Um, they are really beating it into Lamar Jackson's head that you don't need to try to get those seven yards with your legs. That's what these guys are here for. You know, it doesn't have to be all downfield. The horizontal passing game can be your best friend. So, Look, Dobbins has to play. All these guys have to play. They have no leverage the way this CBA is put together. It's about mitigating injury risk. Could they throw a few million at him in incentives, you know, and sweeten the pot a little bit that way, like we've seen in some other instances? Maybe. I don't think it would be all that much sweetened, unfortunately, because of the position he plays. 
Um, but man, oh man, I mean, I'm just watching what they're doing out there and saying, boy, J.K. Dobbins could really, really um, be a difference maker. You know, these other situations, I, I don't know. You know, Kareem Hunt, he's a name. I think he held that Browns offense back last year. I actually think there was too much Kareem Hunt, um, too much Chubb sort of better. reliance and default better. to him. You know, in the third down situations, yeah. I, I just feel like, you know, there's probably more they could have done with Chubb, who's obviously the superior back and is an all-around back. Um, so I don't know, man. I, I mean, he's been out there a long time. I, I don't I don't know that it, you know, it, it's going to really move the needle. I, I don't know that any of these guys – are going to re- really move the needle. Um, and, and no one's getting paid. Like, I'm just there, – there's not a running back situation out there right now where I'm like, that guy could win or that guy could win or that guy could hold a team over the barrel. It doesn't exist. Your guy in Atlanta, a lot of a lot of running backs are hoping that if Bijan becomes what people think Bijan could be, then maybe a couple years from now, you know, when he's through his third year, maybe he's in a position to at least start pushing the numbers forward because short of that, I think the franchise tag numbers are going to keep coming down because nobody's paying these guys. You're right. Uh, and with Bijan, he is more Christian McCaffrey. He is yeah. more Marshall Falk. He is more LT than he is a traditional running back. So, Which is what you need. Which is what you did. Exactly. So those guys are going to get paid because they bring more to the table. But, you know, the designation of running back, to your point, Jason, is is it's right now a lost cause. And I had a, a great conversation. I told Baldy this a couple of weeks ago with uh, a couple of executives, and they were saying, look, this is not collusion, okay? We're looking at the big pie, and we're saying, hey, in the 90s, teams ran 65% of the time, so we needed great running backs. That's why they got drafted high. As things progressed, and now we, we cut that pie and we say, hey, we're throwing the ball 65% of the time. We're going to go get guys who can, you know, get down the field and quarterbacks who can deliver. That's kind of what this is, and it's all around the league. I want to stay in, in in Baltimore, though, real quick. How does OBJ look? What, what's the deal, man? How's he looking? He looks great. Um, he does. They're being real careful with him, as you might expect. You know, I was out there the other day. He made a great um, third down catch on the sideline. Uh, for a first down, you, you saw the body control, the fluidity, um, the the spatial awareness, knowing exactly where that touch line is and how to tiptoe right up to it. Um, he just has such. He's like, I, I think, I kind of think he's like a gridiron genius, you know. Like he understands the quadrants. He understands exactly the last blade of grass he can get to, right, and still <laughs> extend his body and and somehow you know make that a completed catch. That's all still there. Um, but, like, even that practice, he made that play. I won't even say he came up lame. You know what I mean? He just didn't quite look like the body language didn't look a 1,000% afterwards, and that was it. You're not in the second 11-11 program, you know, period. You're you're good for the day. You know, they did the same thing with Mark Andrews. They've been really – they've been so snake bit with the injury bug that they're not, they're not playing around in the least. Um, what we haven't seen and what they haven't really gotten to yet as an offense – is that downfield thrust. So much focus has been on – they know Lamar is going to look downfield. Lamar, between bubble screens at the line of scrimmage and eight yards downfield, there's a lot of stuff we can do in there that if the ball's placed properly with the receivers we now have, they can go get us another seven, eight yards or more with their legs. 
but we've got like it, it's such a focus is on the underneath stuff and getting mm-hmm. him to process and see the field differently. So, you know, have I seen the high end Odell speed, you know, locked up one on one with Marlon Humphrey, 50 yards downfield? Not in any sort of team periods. That that really I don't think it's been a point of emphasis and it just really it really hasn't been there. It's been a lot about special situations, a lot about red zone, where I, I think that obviously will be a, a absolutely pivotal area for him. Um, but yeah, he, he, he has that charisma. I mean, he's like the Pied Piper, you know, everybody like guys want to be around him. They want to learn from him. They want to soak it up and they haven't had a receiver around here like that in a long, long time, maybe even ever. So you'd probably go back to Anquan Bolden, you know what I mean? To find that kind of around here. So yeah, I I think, I think he'll be a big, um, addition. Uh, but like Rashad Bateman hasn't touched a field yet and they don't know when he is. And so that's something else I would just say, keep your eye on. Cause that young man, unfortunately has missed a whole lot of time since they took him in the first round a few years ago. Um, so it's been a lot, actually the, the, the guy who looks really good here, like you've been looking for deep cuts fantasy wise, especially if Bateman can't get on the field as Nelson Aguilar. Oh, wow. Okay. I forgot he was there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> happens when you draft Zay Flowers and and you go and give Odell Beckham, you know, basically 18 million if he stays healthy for one year. Yeah, that'll happen. Jason Lock on four guys. Carl Dukes, put him up. It is in the huddle. Our man Brian Balding will be back with us later in the week as we talk about everything that's going on around the NFL. All right. What in the hell is going on with the commanders? When I heard Ron Rivera even address this, all right, Jason, and, and you and I, we've been doing this a long time. When coaches bring stuff to the forefront, you're always kind of like, why is he even bringing this up? So he comes out and basically says that he has gotten complaints from some of the guys that Eric Bieniemy, who's now the new OC with the commanders slash assistant head coach, is being too intense. And I had to do a double take, Jason, and go, what the hell does that mean? Isn't football intense? Isn't coaching guys up intense? And so today, or yesterday, I guess, after practice, he came back and kind of walked it back a little bit. And then he said he talked to Eric Bieniemy because he, he felt like he came out wrong that Bieniemy was looking like the bad guy. And Bieniemy's like, hey, no, no problem. Oh, that's exactly what he did, by the way. That's exactly what Ron Rivera did. I don't, I don't get this. So, first of all, from a player standpoint, what the hell is wrong with this? The coaching and coaching hard. And two, did Rivera fracture this thing for Eric Bieniemy, who we've talked about? We thought he should have had a job two years ago. Does this play into the narrative that he doesn't interview well or he doesn't, he's too aggressive or he's too intense? Ron Rivera is lucky that this ownership thing dragged out the way it did because Ron Rivera had no merits to keep this job. None. I saw none. Zero. He should have been out. Um, This is what Ron Rivera has done. He said silly stuff about Dwayne Haskins and had to walk some of it back. Um, He didn't. He basically said he didn't know that they needed to win a game to stay in the playoffs last year, right? And got caught with his pants down in real time there and then tried to change the narrative and walk it back. The way he talked about their their quarterback situation last year and some of the things he said about Wentz when a lot of people in that building were ready to see Sam Howe, it drove them bonkers. And they're like, what's going on when this guy gets in front of a microphone and he wants to swallow it? You know what I mean? He wants to beat on his leg. Like, that should be the easy part of the job. You're a really good communicator. Not sure how great of a head coach you are. You're not really a defensive coordinator anymore, but, like, you're supposed to be the leader of men, the CEO. Can you at least communicate with the media without making you and us look like bumbling idiots? Like, this has been a recurring theme. He hasn't been able to handle 
his own messaging. And yeah, he threw Eric Bieniemy under the bus. And the way it's being read around the league is Ron Rivera knows he's on thin ice. He's even alluded to this somewhat. Like, here's a new guy in charge. I don't know what he's going to think of me. Ron Rivera clearly has some insecurities about Dan Snyder handing him that entire building and him not really knowing what to do with it, right? He got way more responsibility than he can handle, way more money than he probably should be making. But he was handed that whole kit and poodle. It hasn't worked out. Now there's a new guy in charge who didn't bring him in. And the first thing he starts doing is throwing other coaches under the butt. Like, come on. You've been around football for a long time. The way he initially put that out there, it was kind of like, I'm going to lick my finger and hold it up and see if the wind blows in the enemy's favor or the wind blows in my player's favor. Oh, it's blowing in the enemy's favor? Oh, let me clean that up. No, no, I wasn't inferring at all that this guy is coming here. Too much guns a-blazing, you know what I mean, and too much too soon and doing stuff. My No, I wasn't I wasn't trying to infer that at all. Like, l- let me step up and take up for my man. I mean, if Ron Rivera gets fired because the defense, which is still supposedly his side of the ball, at least to some degree, isn't what it's supposed to be, right? And that's where all the assets are. If he gets fired, who's the next man up? Who gets that job on an interim basis? Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy, right? You would think. Yeah, yeah. And now we, we're, we're barely two weeks into camp. And he's coming out saying stuff about the enemy that has no makes no sense to say. Like, whether that's his conscious mind or his subconscious mind, people around the league are like, he, he he's worried this is his last head coaching gig, right? He's clearly <laughs> worried about what this new owner's going to think of him. He's probably a little threatened by the enemy, the hot new guy in town who was doing all this great stuff in Kansas City, where they actually won games. And what's the first? You know he's going to put his foot in his mouth eventually. It took two weeks, three weeks. He did it. Oh, and it's about the enemy. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, he said, uh, for those of you who missed it, I put my foot in my mouth when it came to the enemy yeah. comments. And then He's he quite good at that. And, and then he said, Jason, he said uh, that, you know, I'm trying to understand uh, more than anything else. Uh, Eric has opened the door and guys came in, they talked, and we're starting to see results. He's basically, you talk about walking this back, a uh, boy. Uh, either way, Eric bieniemy has got two Super Bowl rings. Everybody, he's coming in there. He knows, at least I feel like he knows what he wants to do offensively. And if he's coaching guys up hard, I would tell those guys who were complaining, or if that was even true, who knows? Accept it. You guys have done nothing in Washington to make you feel like you're going to be a contender. Eagles are better. Cowboys are better. And you're worried about a guy coaching you up too hard? I just I couldn't believe it. So it's just something in 2023 that just makes me wonder what the hell is going on. Yes. And here's one of the other many things that makes me hate what he did. He didn't really take ownership of it. He presented almost like he's an innocent bystander. And, hey, there's some stuff going on in my building. And I'm going to air out a little bit of this dirty laundry. But I'm not taking a side. You're that. You, you, you've got all the authority. Like, if you want to bring it up, you could say, hey, I'd rather you hear it from me than the players. There was some yes. griping going on, and maybe it'll get to you. And here's the thing. Eric Bieniemy's bought here for a reason. I believe in everything Eric Bieniemy's doing. And if any of these guys go off the record and start whining and complaining about the ball coach, ask me about it because we're doing things differently here for a reason, right? To me, that's how a man would handle the situation. Someone who really was comfortable in their own skin and wasn't threatened by anything going on and wasn't worried about their job security or what comes next or who would replace me if I get whacked in November – like, I don't know, man. I I, I, I found it to be uh, rather atrocious. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Guys, it's in the huddle. Uh, subscribe. Watch us on YouTube. We're on YouTube. You can check us out. It's very easy at In the Huddle Pod. 
And uh, you can see this and check out all the episodes there as well. As we talk about the preseason and all this stuff going on, and we're going to see some you know things play out. Um, one of the things that I, I did want to mention also as we were talking um, today is uh, the fact that you know all these lists are coming out, Jason, and we see all these lists. And I just laugh when I see these dumbass lists. You know, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, oh, best quarterback, best whatever. Best. And we do this stuff. I say we, it's the media, because, you know, we're all trying to figure out who's going to be really, really good. And, and this gets me to one of the last things I want to get to with you is you're a betting man. I'm a betting man. We get our buddy Nick Costos on this show. Uh, you better, you bet. We talk betting all the time. And, and I'm trying to think, who are you buying? Okay. All these lists are out. We're looking at all this stuff. Who are you buying right now? Now we hadn't seen enough preseason. I don't even, I don't even know if it matters, but who do you like and who are you buying from a betting standpoint? Um, look, I, I, I like what the, I, I like the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think three teams from this division make the playoffs. I think they're one of the three. Um, I feel like there's a lot of people, gassing up and hyping up the Browns. I'm still not exactly sure why. Uh, Does the Burrow injury what, bother you? What's that? The Burrow injury bother you? Uh, uh, Jamar Chase was like, I don't want him back until he's 100%. Yeah. I'm like, no, I think the Bengals four games, you know? No, I, and I think I think the contract thing with Joe, when the contract's done, I think Joe Burrow will feel a whole lot better, and everybody will feel better about putting him on a football field again. Um but I, I I think the Pittsburgh Steelers, I look at their win totals. It, it's been hovering around nine. I mean, they got there last year and started two and six with a rookie quarterback who didn't really get empowered until December. And once he did, they won a lot of games. And I know if you just look at his box scores, you'll say, eh. if you watch those games and watch Kenny Pickett in the fourth quarter and some of the big boy throws he made, some of the adjustments he made at the line, and you He's look at both. that cast, and yeah. you look at that offensive line and say, man, they might have upgraded big at a couple spots. Um, I love the backfield combination of Warren and Najee Harris. Um, I love the big tight end they took from your neck of the woods. I think they could get real interesting in, in some different Washington. personnel groups, you know, some yeah. 12 stuff that they haven't done a lot of lately, sure. but that young quarterbacks tend to love. Um, and they've got playmakers on defense. And Mike Tomlin wins more games than he loses. So you can get, uh, I think, plus money on the Steelers to make the playoffs. I like the Steelers to, to go over that win total. I mean, I don't think they're winning 12 or 13, but I think they're winning double-digit um, double digit wins. I like the way the schedule sets up for them early. So that's a team that I think I'm a little bullish on um, than some others. Uh, I saw uh, Pickens, three-and-a-half touchdowns. Oh, no way. He's got to be more. Yeah, three-and-a-half. You know, he beat that last year, and he didn't start playing with a real quarterback till the second half of the year. You know, it was Trubisky and all that crap the first half of the year. He only got six red zone targets last season. He had two red zone touchdowns. He only had six red zone targets. He could have six red zone targets in week one. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, three and a half on him. Uh, Yeah, I'll go over there. And I I like Carolina. Um, I like Carolina to win that division. And if that's who they are, then there's a lot of correlated bets you could make there on Frank Reich, right? Whatever redemption story that is. This dude got fired in the middle of the season for Jeff Saturday, you know, uh, it, it, while, while you know, the honky-tonk man Jim Mercy was having a fever dream and pretending he was latter-day Al Davis. No, and he's firing trainers. No, no, no squash in the cafeteria today. I only want, you know, 
whatever, beans and rice. Like, it, it literally, like, the dick, the owner takes over a dictatorship and Frank Reich gets cast asunder. Um, I think Frank Reich, with, with a wonderful on-paper coaching staff he put together that isn't marred by nepotism and cronyism like most of these coaching staffs are. I really love the wide net he cast and bringing people from different backgrounds and different skill sets in. It's not just about who's your agent, who's your daddy. Um, and I don't really love anybody in that division, so why not Carolina? They almost won the division last year, you know, with P.J. Walker playing quarterback half the year. Um, I think they're going to benefit a lot of ways, a lot of ways from this new coaching staff. And I think Bryce Young. So, like, if Carolina's who I think they could be, Frank Reich's going to be in the running for coach of the year. Yeah. Bryce Young's going to be running uh, for uh, rookie of the year. And you yeah. can get pretty good value on those bets. So that's some of the stuff I'm looking at. It's great stuff, man. Uh, Jason, good to see you. I'm glad everything is going well. We good are to be back. Man, I'm trying to tell you. I thought like, you guys man. forgot about me. Well, dude, I got people hitting me up like, where's Jason? I'm like, I got it's that, out of my I'm... control, all right? <laughs> They're like, where's Jason? And we hope he never comes back. <laughs> so, man, it's good to have you back. But we are amping things up, guys. And as we said, we'll be grabbing different guests and whatnot. But we're going to do this each and every week with Jason. We have a lot of fun on this podcast because we tell you like it is. And we talk to people around the league. And I love it. So, Hey man, appreciate you uh, as always. My have pleasure, a great brother. week. Yeah, you man, too. we'll uh, we'll we'll do this thing next week, and we'll have Baldy uh, uh, coming up at the end of the week, guys. So make sure you check it out and subscribe. Hey, when the Braves are up here to play the Orioles in the World Series, you can come out and sit out here with me, and we'll oh. do it. We'll do it together right here. It, it's beautiful back there, man. I tell you what, O's are kicking ass. Seriously, they're, they're, it's an unbelievable turnaround. Unbelievable. As so. are the Bravo. It'd be interesting. Yeah, it would be a lot of fun. Jason Lock on four, Carl Dukes, guys, Brian Baldinger. It's in the huddle. Subscribe, like us, and tell your friends. Everybody have a great day. Twenty four hundred Sports is an Odyssey company.